Welcome to part two of Planet Nicaris. Just to catch you up, we're talking about Kentarkis' home planet, Nicaris, where he's from. He's had many past lives there. And now I'm going to ask him about entertainment. What do the Nicarans have in the way of entertainment? Similar to what we have, they do go to beaches. They don't bathe in the suns because the suns aren't like the sun here on Earth. They can lay in the sun nearly all day and they won't get burnt. See, what we don't seem to understand on this planet is that we are the ones that govern our atmosphere just by our thoughts. Our thoughts are energy. And what is that energy? Living energy. We're created from living energy. The earth, the planet, is created from living energy. It has a spirit. So does a human. The sun has a spirit. If it didn't, it would die. It is living energy. But our thoughts in a lot of situations over the last 928,000 years has been very negative because of the amount of humans that have been slaughtered with all the wars that have existed on this planet. And that's over 157,000 in that time. So all that negativity and all the karmic debts of slaughter, rape, murder is upon us all the time because we reincarnate over and over again and create similar situations and we just don't understand. We're on Nakaras. They have really interesting thoughts. They don't think ill of you or anyone else on their planet. They will come up to you, have a conversation, but they won't stand there and stare at you and judge you like they do here on this earth. And I'm pretty sure every human could actually admit that they've experienced that or done it themselves. How does this relate to uh, like the lack, lack of need for sunscreen because of our, say, ozone layer? Okay. Consciousness is very interesting. Every thought you have creates your atmosphere. The more negative you are about the sun is hot, the sun's bad, I wish it was cold, I can't stand the sun, it's annoying me. All those negative thoughts, as well as all the violence that goes on, it literally escalates as an energy field. And that energy field is picked up by the sun. And it gives you exactly what your thoughts are about. It's like if you said every day of your life, Michael, I will never be successful. Your higher consciousness is unbiased. And if you continue that same thought or many thoughts of negativity, what will come to you is exactly what you ask for. You're not going to be successful. Now, on Nakaris, because they have had a complete change in their thought consciousness because of this being that came called Yakas Kardas, they don't think negative of their own brothers and sisters. They will come up to you and say, can I help you? And they will help you no matter what, forever how long, because no one expects to get paid. 
where on earth today, from what I've seen and experienced, even in families especially, if you go out and mow their yard, they put their hand out to be paid. And I've seen it on many, many occasions, which is really sad. Where on Nakaris it doesn't happen. So when you're laying in the sun, just enjoying and talking, communicating, you can lay there all day. And the sun is at a temperature that doesn't actually burn the skin. We're here. Have you noticed how it's increased? You can be in the sun for 15 minutes naked. And if you're laying directly in the sun, you'll look like a red turtle. Some people will burn faster than others. Where on Nakaris, they don't have the negativity that we do on this planet. Their thought consciousness is beyond the ego. So the earth, sorry, their planet and their sun and their moons actually work with them because it's all living energy working in harmony, not against each other. Where we as people on this planet, we literally work against each other. And that's what's really sad. And we need to change that. We need to help each other from the heart. And by doing that, we are literally being helped ourselves consciously. What other things do they do for entertainment while we're just on that? They dance. Oh, yeah, they dance. They dance. They're brilliant dancers. Absolutely brilliant dancers. Um, you know how there was a man by the name of um, Gene Kelly. Now, Gene Kelly was incredible as a dancer. So was Fred Astaire. They were real dancers, real actors. And when they move, they move with such grace it was like it was nothing for them because they trained their bodies to move, to flow. The Nakarons do it all their life. They never stop. And they all dance. They love it. Sometimes in each city, there is what they call on here, on this planet, call a mall. And our malls are pretty small compared to theirs. There's about a thousand times um, larger and sometimes they'll have a gathering of 200,000 Nakarons, 300,000. And they all go under this massive dome in every city and they'll dance and then they'll drink Pasaki tea. They're not into alcohol. They're not into alcohol. That's why I wrote Pasaki tea in my book so much. It was like a little joke for me because it's a real thing. It's actually real. And it's, it's created from a, a plant that looks like um, uh, um, an eggplant. But it's much richer and larger. And the actual flesh inside is not white like it is in the, um, the eggplant on our earth. It's actually purple. And all the seeds are very rich in nutrients for antioxidants and all that. And a variety of other nutrients for, for a body to say function at its peakness so they drink this a lot and some drink it warm some drink it chilled and some drink it at normal temperature it just depends on the mood that they're in speaking of food is the farming handled by technology smart technology absolutely yes they have um, automatic sprinklers 
And when I say automatic sprinklers, they're not like attached to the ground. They have these containers that create water. Now listen to this, create water out of living energy. The, these beacons are like small spaceships and they have these devices built in that brings in the living energy. It's like sucking it in. And as it's released because of the computer system that's built in, that's programmed by the master boards, it literally creates water. And it literally knows exactly how to travel over an entire field. And they have these things over the entire planet creating food. And that's how everything is watered through these sprinkling systems that literally travel in the air. And they have similar ones, similar things that are, you know, collecting the food and. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. They do have, they do have um, um, people who choose to work in the fields. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's one of the things that Chirons like to do. They like to do things from a physical perspective and they will have probably several million all over the entire planet working at these places. And they even do hand packing as well as machine automotive packing, um, going into um, um, packed into trucks, um, taken to um, uh, outlets and people can turn around and come in and pick them up and take them home and or they can be delivered to homes. If you go to your computer, which is very different to ours, it's like all glass and you just tap your fingers on it and it comes up and you can say, please deliver this, 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 this to this, this, this address um, whenever or whatever the date. And what happens is it literally is delivered. And if it's not delivered by these vehicles that are called Hummers that just go off the ground, they are actually delivered by air transport. And they'll literally come down and these machines that are loaded will bring it to your door and put it on your doorstep and then return back into the spaceship and they'll go off to the next place. And these little machines, they're not using propellers in the air, are they? No, no, they're all Hummers. No, I mean like the, the, the little ones that fly down from the spaceship they are, what kind of technology are they using to hover? Um, what they call um, living energy. Yeah. They, they actually use living energy, Michael, for everything. They have learned to harness it. I've learned to harness it through um, um, healing oh. and, you know, and a variety of other things. I learned, to, I learned to use living energy as my thought consciousness in being a spontaneous speaker and being able to talk about heaps and heaps of different varieties of subjects, especially when it's come to do with the past. I, I love going right back 70 million years ago, and it was actually 76 million years ago. And when I saw this first creature, that's why I put him in my book called Charlie. I named him Charlie. I spoke about him. And I'm not joking. If I had someone that could be an artist that was willing to draw from my imagination, I would love to be able to have that all drawn and put them into my book also to show people what these creatures looked like 76 million years ago. And everyone thinks that the T-Rex was, you know, the most powerful creature on the planet. There was one other, but they, they used to think that. It's not. It's Charlie. Because Charlie is, is like over 20 foot tall. 
and he's built like a giraffe, but also like a, a, a rhino. And his skin is like, say, three centimeters thick. And he's just absolutely an incredible creature. Very aggressive for a vegetarian, full-on vegetarian, but very domineering when it comes to his um, domain. He will flatten you if you come into his domain if he feels threatened. Because back then, very different to what it is now when it comes to the animal kingdom. Sure. So going back to uh, my questions, I have to ask you, I'm curious, are all the Nakarons these days, are they all able to see auras if they want to? Or is that something that's worked on by a, a smaller percentage of them? No, no, the Nakarons, all Nakarons are actually taught this. And again, how they're taught is naturally by their parents, but also by these devices that you can actually put on your head and you can actually close your eyes and it creates an image of what you want to see. And eventually you can create the image by using your imagination. And imagination is what makes a person open to psychic abilities. And this is what we don't understand on this planet. We just think that we're all psychic, but there's only about, say, I think it's about 8.2% of the entire human population that has any real sight when it comes to seeing spirits or being able to channel knowledge or channel information from the departed ones or from higher higher vibrations. There are, there are a lot on this planet, probably about, say, 23, maybe 26% that are fraudulent you know, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's their lesson of life. I've never claimed that I can do any of those things. It's not been my way. I don't believe in claiming anything. I believe in the truth and I believe in the heart. I believe that we have we have the ability to create anything that we want from life. But we do have an obstacle. And our obstacle can be things like our fears, our emotions, the dark forces, the reptilians, or simply just very negative energy that has been permeating within this human society probably for over 700,000 years and hasn't been extinguished the way it should be. We need to learn to let go of our past. We need to learn to forgive and move on. And the Nicarons, through Yarkas Kardas, learnt that. They learnt and they adapted his philosophy because it felt right to them in their hearts. And the interesting thing about the Nicarons, they are the most friendly um, giants, if you want to call them, because they're so tall, they are the most friendly beings in the universe. And yet they have been marked as the most aggressive. Yet they're not. They do believe in justice. They have never had in their history many Nakarons that would go out purposely to murder. There have been 
in the past, probably when they first came to the new planet, Nakaris, where there were some. And whatever the reason, that was worked out of the system. If a being, like say a Nakaron, was found guilty because they captured them very quickly, very quickly. In fact, in a day, they would have their killer. That's how quick they are. Their energies, the machines that they've created, can detect um, who the actual murderer is very quickly. It's like with DNA. We don't go through long procedures to try and prove anything. We have devices that proves it instantly. And if you catch a so-called killer or a serial killer, they go through a device, they step through it like going through at the airport, you know, one of those machines to see if you're carrying any time bombs or anything like that. But they go through it and in their energy field, it tells straight away, it shows pictures, they're recording. You see, we record and, and this is what a lot don't understand. We record everything that we actually do consciously like a video. And if we could harness in how to look back in that video, we could see our entire life to what it has been up to this moment in this current life. And eventually, if we wanted to, we could see all. Where once an Acharon's found guilty, in that same day or the next, he's vaporized or she's vaporized instantly. And as I put in my book, <laughs> which I found very interesting that I did that, they don't just vaporize the physical structure, which is living energy. They vaporize the entire memory banks of that being. So they can never, and I mean never, incarnate again with those type of habitual characters where they have thoughts of murder or rape or viciousness or whatever. So eventually you actually weed out the really bad, I suppose, DNA out of out of different people. Oh, yeah, that's effective. I think, like, so you're saying that, for instance, the actual spirit, yes, and even the soul. Um, the soul is not the problem. the the soul The soul just accepts because the soul would, would already know that's what's going to happen. What they do is they get rid of the actual physical DNA, then they get rid of the spiritual energy and all the memory banks that are associated with that entity. So if they ever were to incarnate, they would never do the same things. Where here on Earth, a lot of people who are serial murderers um, sit in jail until they die or they're hunted down and killed by accident or um, they die in prison or whatever the case may be. And when they come back, percentage-wise, probably about 40%, they come and do the same thing again. In fact, they do it more, which is really sad. And a lot of, a lot of entities that are now dying are coming back before they're actually going through the light. They have found a way, and that's becoming a little worrying. Mm where Nakarons believe that justice must suit the crime. And they believe if you take the life of a Nakaron so viciously 
then you do not deserve to breathe the same air. And that's why they're vaporized. Instantly, no pain, just done. Mm. Wow. So I also wanted to ask about telepathy. Is that something that the Nicarans do? Very much so. They can actually talk um, yeah, straight from mind to mind. Their minds are very in tune with each other. If two Nicarons, say, came together, one from this side of the planet and one from the other side of the planet and never seen each other before, and they were put in the same room with no one else around and they just sat in front of each other, not touching, just sat in front of each other, within half an hour they could read each other's thoughts if they were projecting those thoughts. So you would read them. They, they have a very str- strong policy not to do it unless you have permission. And that's why they work from the heart. And that's why they don't have a problem. And they can also talk to each other from one side of the planet to another just by closing their eyes, putting their hands on their heart or one hand on their heart. They call that person's name and say, connect with me, please. And they literally just focus. In a very short moment, they have the voice coming through and it's literally talking in their head as if their voice was talking to you on a mobile or something like that. Oh, that's so cool. And also, like, they could do it, it could be delayed as well. Like, you could leave a voicemail, so to speak. Yes. If a person's busy, and so you, you just send them, so, I just wanted to mention such and such. And Absolutely. Then later, when they're free, they can pick up what you've said telepathically. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's right. Because they're so in tune. Also, you were going to ask about, before, I think, about foods, weren't you? you, you just, I think you mentioned something. The interesting thing about foods is, as we spoke about what they do in the fields where they grow them, they grow a very large variety of vegetables, fruits. Um, they grow um, things like soybeans, but very different, much larger, probably 10 times the size of the beans that are actually on the earth. Um, they're quite large, very, very high in the proteins and all the nutrients that the bodies would actually need to function correctly. Every Nicaron uh, is a vegetarian. And they always have been. Now, if we went back to the other planet, there was there was a time about four million years into their evolution where a certain sector of their society on the other side of the planet were actually beginning to eat animals because they had a loss in food where they couldn't actually supply the food, so they started eating animals. When the higher councils discovered this, they sent a team there to find out what the problem was, and they rectified the problem in about, let's say, two and a half months of human time, and they returned back to being vegetarians and never were veg- never went back to being carnivores again. So it's pretty well been vegetarians right through the entire race for, say, 28 sorry, 27 million years. And they do have a lot of varieties of beverages that they make from fruits and they make from vegetables. They do, you know how you have a smoothie? You know, a smoothie like, you know, like a vegetable smoothie or um, a fruit smoothie? They actually do have, they do have a lot of that. They find that um, very, very nourishing. They probably would have 
probably 50% of that through a seven-day cycle. Yeah, and what about the main meals? Like in, in, a, in a day, however long a day is, how many meals would they pause to have? Well, you can't buy – you know how you can buy um, – like say, for instance, vegetarian food, like, you know, corn products and all the other things that you have, they don't have any of that. They, they don't believe in processing um, natural foods into fast processed foods. And they, they don't believe that it has the same nutritional value. So the Nicarons eat a lot of beans. Now, people like, say, husbands and wives both cook and they create all different styles of food. You could say they do stir fries. You could say they do pasta-type dishes. Um, they do salads a lot. Beans are a very big part of their existence. It's a staple diet. They don't have things like potatoes. They don't. They. Um, I've actually spoken to Kadi about that, a Canadian from another world, and she said she investigated the potato. She believes the potato has a, f a certain asset in it that is not good for consumption. And it's funny, you can actually get that same information here on Earth. Wow. I haven't come across it, but I've been told you can. So they're sort of saying don't overeat in potatoes. It may not be a good thing for certain people. And like how many, I wanted to ask how many, how many times will they pause to have a, a um, solid meal in a day? Like we kind of do two or three. They have one solid meal a day. Ah. One solid. And normally that is lunchtime. Yeah. Depending. Some still have a traditional um, evening meal and they have small little munchy meals throughout the day. They actually burn up a lot of energy. Now, what, what they found is when you eat certain types of food, on a regular basis, your body becomes in tune with it and it balances itself out and its energy levels only to have a certain amount and the body seems to function much better. Where we here, we have three meals a day and a lot of countries, they eat such hollow food and they eat large amounts and they end up putting all this weight on in a very short period of time. And most of the time, it's carbs. Now, it's a known fact that carbs are good for you, but you're better off having a higher protein intake than carbs because protein is a muscle builder. It repairs tissue and it gives you energy. Now, carbs give you energy, but if you don't use the carbs that you're actually eating, they turn to sugars, and sugars turn to fat. And then you have to run an extra 100 kilometers a week to try and burn all that um, extra fat off. So that's where the dilemma is. We, we're actually defeating ourselves, and we need to look at more closely what we're consuming as food. Mm. So I think you've mentioned that... that uh I think you've mentioned that we here on Earth have come from the Nicarats 928,000 years ago. That is correct. After, after, um, after uh, Yankas Kardas uh, was here, was on the planet for a long period of time, 
the Nakarons made the decision that they had to gather up these certain ones, and it worked out a little over 87,000. And they brought them all together in one massive stadium, and they spoke to them from the heart how the Nakarons had been listening to this this entity from another vibration and tried to help them understand that there is a time for change. And every one of these 87,000 or little over wanted to be the same. They didn't want to change. They all congregated to one part of the planet. And it's interesting, isn't it, about energy. They're all attracted to each other. Where the rest of the Nakarons, they wanted to learn. So they were attracted from that energy. And that's why they grew consciously to a higher understanding. Now, the decision was made to take these 87,000. So they decided to do research and find a decent planet. They found several, but the one they chose was this planet called Earth. Well, it wasn't called Earth back then. It was just a planet. The Nakarons, because of the wisdom and understanding and the effort and time that Yarkas Kardas put into it, they called it Karas. They named this planet Karas. Now, the only ones that knew that was the Nakarons. And later on, which has only been the last probably probably 300 years, or maybe, maybe 400 years, or maybe a bit more, just depends. You'd have to go right into that to find out who, who, who actually started the word Earth. Now, the word Earth was discovered and it was put into a dictionary meaning planet. So that's from the English language. But it hasn't been named Earth, for, let's say, the last thousand years. A thousand years ago, no one ever said the Earth. They said the planet. If they were going to, if, if the astrologers were going to speak about anything, they would say the planet. But originally was Karas. Now it was given in his honor. But when they put them here, they didn't give them any form of technology. What they did give them was food, lots of it. So they were left here to sort themselves out. And here we are today as humans. But the Nakarons, they grew very rapidly when it came to conscious thought and conscious understanding. Now, at the present moment, there are millions and millions of Nakarons living on the planet in physical form. But there are also millions that have over a long period of time evolved beyond the physical flesh. And the only way to go beyond the physical flesh is not overnight. It takes many incarnations. And you've got to be able to remember that was your, I suppose, your road to progress, to learn to let go. So you have to remember it in every lifetime. On earth, we could never do that. So we couldn't ascend in one lifetime because there's too much karma on this planet to deal with. First, you just can't walk away from your karma. It doesn't work that way. And there's no one on this earth that can actually dissolve your karma like many think there are. There is no one except you, the individual, because you created it. 
You have to learn to understand it by gaining the knowledge from whoever and dissolving it and moving on. The Nakarons, also, one thing I must say too, a lot of the Nakarons have now acquired the ability because they are thought consciousness without a, without a physical body, they have learnt to also step down back into vibration and take by creating through manifestation from living energy a solid body. Not to eat food, but they can come back so the people on the Karas can communicate with them as if they were physical. And they also bring back a lot of enlightened knowledge to the Nakarons. So they grow from. And that's the difference. Wow. And what's the, right now, what's the population approximately of physical beings on Nakaras? I think it's about, I think it's a little over or a little under 40 billion. 40? 40 billion. Yeah, wow. Originally, I had another figure, but I found it wasn't actually correct because I wasn't sure if that was excluding the ones that have left or the ones that were still on the planet. But I believe, and I can find out exactly, but I think it's a little over 40 billion. And is the planet larger than ours? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got to be between, well, from what I can judge it, and what I've been told by Kadi, this being from another world, um, it's between three to five times the size of Earth. Gee. Yeah, very different. Wow. Do you remember I was telling you, um, I wrote this in my book and I always have a little laugh over it because I think it's quite amazing. There is a race called the Iliads, which we'll be talking about on another, another, another subject. Uh, they are called the um, the architectural geniuses of the universe, and they created they create all the um, the pyramids. They're very much into pyramids, but the Nakarons have these three most, well, actually four, sorry, four most unusual buildings, and what they are is they're pyramids. And I'm just looking at my little note here. Okay. There, let's say one building, right? A, a skyscraper. There are 65 pyramids in each of those buildings, being around 50 meters high, meaning each pyramid is 50 meters high, which is about 160 feet in height, roughly. If you multiply 50 meters by 65 um, would be buildings, each pyramid that is, you would basically be about three kilometres tall, wow. each building. Three kilometres. That's not bad, is it? That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. And, and all these buildings, these four, are apartments. They are huge. And I mean, if you took an American penthouse, they would be at least twice to three times the size and a lot of the American penthouses are quite large, where the Australian penthouses, they're not really they're not really penthouses at all. They're just buildings on top of the top floor, but they're not really penthouses. Some are only two bedrooms and they class them as a penthouse. 
<laughs> yeah. It makes me think, do they have anything like teleportation? They do, yes. Really? Oh, that's so they cool. Do. Yes, they do, actually. The ones that created the teleportation, I will. you'll have to mention this again when we talk about them, are the Ilias. Okay. Just very quickly, without going too deep into it, the Ilias, the, Ili, the, the class as the Ilitorius, um, their world was the ones who came here and built the original pyramids that are in Egypt, like the Giza and all that type of thing. They were the ones that built them, and the reason they built them was because they used them as beacons. Originally, the pyramids had, once they were constructed, they had from the base these massive stone plates that were shiny like mirrors with these um, carved hieroglyphics within them. They were so highly polished that if the sun shone on them directly and hit you in the eyes, it could nearly blind you. And they went to the entire top and they were perfectly formed. You couldn't put a piece of paper, like an A4 little sheet of paper, through the gaps. They were so perfectly done because they were all done with engineering um, lasers cut in perfect form. And I think many, many years after that, they were raided by, a, by an emperor to build his fort, his massive, um, um, what would they call those things back then? Oh, like, you know, like a castle, but it had walls all the way around and they used the walls as their outer defence. So no one could actually climb them because they were so tall. But they still exist, by the way, right? They still exist. They're all built under the, they're all laying flat under sand because sand has increased by at least 10 billion fold in the desert. And it's literally covered up pyramids that will one day be discovered. It's so deep. How does this relate to teleportation? Okay. Now, the Ilias were the first ones to actually create what they call crystal skulls. And they learnt how to use that by imploding technology information within them. And they had mind-to-mind -mind connection. Now, only certain ones could do this, where they could put their hands on it or just a thought projection. And they could actually be in the atmosphere, like the within that little circle where that crystal was, and they could teleport by breaking down their atomic structure through thought consciousness. By breaking down their atomic structure, and once broken down through thought consciousness, could project themselves wherever they wish to be. What the crystal did was enhance, like say 10,000 times fold, the energy field that was required to break down the atomic structure of a physical person and then through thought consciousness project it to its destination. That is so cool. And so um, they introduced that to the Nakarans? They did, yes. 
And, and so how, like right now, how are they, in what way have, is teleportation used on the cars? Oh, well, now that's a bit old-fashioned. It's um, not used as much as it used to be only by amateurs um, on the planet. Um, what they now use is um, a device where you step through and when you come out the other end, you're at your destination. So how many of those are around the planet? Well, that, that's a pretty difficult question to actually answer directly at this moment. But if I, my mind serves me right, there were at least around 20 in every city capital. Right. So it's a way of be, being able to go from city to city. Absolutely. Yes. If you had to get somewhere quickly, you would actually book yourself in and you would then go up there when that day is right or whenever and you would go through that to go, say, to a capital city or to another city that you need to maybe see your parents or whatever the case may be. Wow. And so that's thanks to the Ilias. Th- that, that is thanks to the Ilias for the, for the actual crystal that they used. But the Nicarons have created technology from living energy in so many ways. I'm talking thousands upon thousands of ways how to use this living energy. I mean, they're, they're 27 million years old. Look how far our technology has gone in the last, say, let's say 400 years. That's not a long time. That's a speck in the ocean compared to 27 million years. And they started their their technology probably after the first 500,000 years of, of literally being aware. So their technology is quite incredible, Michael. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, it would be so great if you could be hooked up with a film producer that could show this world in your imagination, like what you've seen there, and we could see it on film. That would be so good. Actually, it would be. You're right. Yeah, you would. This concludes part two of Planet Nicaris. If you have any questions or for any reason would like to contact Kentakis, including to book some time with him, simply email kentakis at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next part.